0: Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for good songs. Stir our hearts and get us thanking and point us to you. And now here we are, gathered here together as a group on a Sunday morning, ready to feast upon your word. We recall the words of Jesus when he said, man doesn't live by bread alone. It's not real food, God, that is actually our sustenance. No, rather we are sustained by the word of God. And Father, for those of us here that believe that, I pray that you would strengthen our faith. For those of us here, God, who are unsure of that, I pray, God, that you would satisfy their appetite today with the truth of a good God and a loving Savior, a Father in heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ. God, we ask your blessing upon your word today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you would, turn in the Bible to Mark chapter 15. If you didn't bring a Bible, just grab the black one there in the pew, page 937. Mark chapter 15, page 937. Last week with Josh Womble preaching, We finished up chapter 14 with Peter denying Jesus and now here we are uh, in the Christmas season in the month of December, the first month, the first Sunday of December and we are going to have four Sundays leading us right up to Christmas. We have today the third, next Sunday the 10th, the next Sunday the 17th and then this year Christmas is a Monday which means Christmas Eve will be a Sunday. hope you will make plans to be here on Christmas Eve. And then coming back Christmas evening for a very short but sweet and very powerful candlelight service together at 6 o'clock on Sunday evening. Everyone will receive a candle. But that's our Christmas month. And a lot of times what we do, and you'll remember this from from last year, we were in Mark then too. Uh, A lot of times at December, we will break away from from what we're in and and focus in on some Christmas scriptures, some... uh, passages that deal with the birth of Christ or the coming of Christ. And, um, and normally we do that, but, but this year we're not. And I'll tell you why. We, we're at the good part of Mark, aren't we? We're at the end. We're at the very, very end of what is happening to Jesus. And you are very familiar with last week, Peter denied Jesus three times and the rooster crowed. Before that, they came and took Jesus. They've arrested him. He is on his way. We're to the the best scene of the book, if you will. The worst scene in some ways, but also the best. And so I don't want us to break away from that and then in 2018, us try to get back to it. I want us to stay right there. With doing that, though, in, in studying and preparing, you will notice that this idea of Jesus being the king is all throughout this chapter. And Jesus as king is a huge theme of Christmas, right? The shepherds said that the king had been born. The wise men came with gifts to bow down before the newborn king, right? So the king Jesus is absolutely a Christmas theme. And while he's not recognized as the king in chapter 15, he certainly is at Christmas, And so in our passage today, we're going to see the question is, is he a king? So I'm going to call these next four sermons leading us all the way up to Christmas, the Christ is King Christmas series. And we're just going to continue with where we're at. Every Sunday, we're going to light an Advent candle just like this. Today's the first one. Next Sunday is the second. We'll have different people in the church do that and do our scripture reading and lead us all the way up to Christmas. So that's what we're doing, and we're at Mark chapter 15, and today we're going to look at the first five verses, and the story is moving right along. In our passage today, this idea of they don't understand who Jesus is, and you know, life is often like this. There are so many things in life that you just don't really understand until you understand, right? You ever been talking about somebody and say, they they just don't get it? They just don't get it, right? And, 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 and Jesus being Lord is certainly one of those things. People don't get it, right? People don't know responsibility until they have utterly failed with being responsible and somebody says, well, now you'll know, right? Or perhaps you have a dad like I do who always wanted to teach me things the hard way. And so once you really learned a lesson the hard way, you would never forget that lesson, right? Well, that's the way it is right now with Jesus being king, we're about to see this big trial and questioning and these people wondering, and then they hand him off to this man and wondering, and it's the Jewish nation, and then it's the, the Roman Empire, and they're all trying to figure out, "Is he a king or is he not? And they're trying to see if Jesus will speak to it, or will he not, and what's he going to say, and will he defend himself and uh, defend himself? And so that's what's, that's what's going on here. Now you and I know that Christ is king. He's king of the world. He's king of the universe. He's king of kings. And I hope that you're here today, not only because you know that he is that, but also because you are bowed down to him. I like the idea of Christ as king because there's only one response to a king, and that is surrender, that is bowing, that is reverence, that is worship. And so as Christmas is coming, we are now just 22 days away from this huge holiday. I really want you to examine whether you are bowed down to Jesus. Not that Jesus is the king or a king, but truly is he is he your king? Is Christ king to you? And may we get that this Christmas this December let's read beginning in Mark chapter 15 and as it was morning the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council and they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate and Pilate asked him are you the king of the Jews he answered him you have said so. And the chief priests accused him of many things. And Pilate again asked him, Have you no answer to make? See how many charges that they bring against you. But Jesus made no further answer, so that Pilate was amazed. Pilate's baffled by this. What is this that these super-religious Jewish people, these people that claim God so strongly, what is this that they have now brought into, into my hands? And what's this got to do with me, he's asking, and you may be wondering, and he's baffled by it, Honestly. You've got a vehemence, really. You've got a true hatred. You've got a, 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 an evil desire to dispose of a person. They want to get rid of him. They have been scheming and planning now for a while. How can we kill him, but kill him rightly, right? They're trying to act like they're doing the right thing and honor God, and that's what's going on, but they can't. And so now they pilot Now they're, they're still there. In Jerusalem, Pilate is there because it's Passover, so he's traveled there. And now they've given him off to Pilate because they know that, that the Romans can kill people. They can do capital punishment. They, they can, and they're trying to get Pilate involved. And yet, as you know the story, at least I hope you do, Pilate doesn't see anything wrong with Jesus. If you know anything about Jesus, there is nothing wrong with Jesus. And One of the reasons why we are bowed down to him This entire holiday season is because He is our God. He is the King, folks, because He is God. He's our Maker. He is the Lord Almighty. It's Jesus. And when Jesus lived His life on earth, and albeit it was a short one, right? Roughly 30. 33 years, when Jesus lived his life on earth, he was such a good picture to us of kindness and humility and patience and serving. We see him being so kind to women. We see him interested in young children. We see him, and what a study it would be for us, we see him pace his life in a way that all of us would do really well to look at. He was never hurried. He was always on time. He accomplished a lot, but he prioritized people. Jesus was awesome. He never sinned. He was the picture of love and grace and truth. He was actually the real life living picture of God. Pilate had observed this. So Pilate sees no problem with Jesus. And now they've said, here, kill him. Help us kill him. Let's get rid of him. And that's what we have. Chapter 15 begins with, as soon as it was morning. Well, that horrible, long Thursday is now over. And it's Friday morning. The day that Jesus will be killed before we finish this chapter, before we finish 2017, we will have seen Christ die in the gospel of Mark. That's where we're at. We're now down to his final day. It is Friday. It is good Friday, if you will. It is that Friday, and it is now morning. It says, as soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders, the scribes, and the whole council. This is called the Sanhedrin, if you will. This is all the Jewish leaders coming together, trying to figure out what they're going to do. A consultation of them figuring out, is he guilty? Is he really deserving of death? And if so, how are we going to do it? It's transitional that it says as soon as it was morning, but the passage before us is kind of like a little commercial about Peter denying Jesus. If you'll go back to the week before that, you'll see that Jesus was before the council. That starts at verse 53 of chapter 14. And if you'll look down to verse uh, 60, it says, And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But he remained silent and made no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed? They are wanting him to say something blasphemous. They're wanting him to say something that in their minds is deserving of death. And they're asking him this over and over and over again. Verse 62, Jesus said, I am And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his garments. He thought what Jesus had just said was so bad and wrong that now he's upset. He tore his garments and he said, what further witnesses do we need? You have heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? And they all condemned him as deserving death. Now look at verse 65. And some began to spit on him, to cover his face and to strike him, saying to him prophesy and the guards received him with blows. Now you jump over to chapter 15 verse 1 and as soon as it was morning the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council and here's what they decided to do. They bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. Now you don't have to turn there but I want to remind you that in the New Testament, we have four Gospels. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and what these are are four different accounts from four different witnesses from four different people about the story and life of Jesus. They're all a little bit different. They're all very similar, and often there are parallel passages. Matthew will tell the same thing that Mark's telling, and you'll look at Matthew's, and you'll compare it to Mark's, and you'll get a little bit more of it, and that's what I'm going to be showing you now. Well, in the same way, John, which his is the most different from Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but in John, he says this. You don't have to turn there, but just listen. So Pilate went outside to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? This is John chapter 18. They answered him, if this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Verse 31, Pilate said to him, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. See, Pilate's like, why why are you getting me involved? I don't care about y'all's little religious stuff that y'all are doing. They answered back. The Jews said to him, it is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. The Jews didn't think that they could kill him. So they're trying to bring Pilate in. Convince him of how bad of a man Jesus is, and therefore Pilate would kill them. Would kill Jesus because they want him killed. That's what's happening. So if you look back at Mark chapter fifteen, they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. And so Pilate, in verse two, says, "Now Pilate is the Roman governor. I think I've, I'm thinking I may have already told you that." So Pilate says to Jesus, "The big question: Are you the King of the Jews?" And it's fascinating that this is what he asks, because we've already heard many, many times that they're bringing lots of accusations against him. It says it over and over again that they continue to testify all these bad things that he's doing, but what were so many of the bad things that he was doing? Well, one of them, they said he was blaspheming God, right? He wasn't talking about God rightly. Well, guess what? Pilate doesn't care one bit, right? Right? That's a, religious, that's a religious issue. What's that got to do with me? Right? There's a whole world full of people out there that will mock God and talk about God. There's people that use Jesus' name very flippantly. GDS as common as anything else you would want to hear. People talk about God, and there's no place for the government to do anything about that. What's that matter? It's just words. They don't care. This is a religious issue. This is a spiritual issue. And there were lots of these accusations that the Jews were saying to make him such an evil guy. Remember, they just said it again. Oh, he's done all kinds of evil. And Pilate's like, well, what are they? And so many of their complaints against him were spiritual things, right? Remember, they said he worked on the Sabbath. Pilate's like, who cares? You see what I mean? They're accusing him of spiritual things and they've brought Pilate in wanting to kill him but Pilate's like, I don't really see anything that this guy's done really wrong except this title of king because listen to me, while the Jews mean king as big reigning king, spiritual and political, all things reigning over us, which is a similar way that we use king, right? Our whole lives, our civil lives, our spiritual lives, our personal lives, our corporate lives, our work lives, everything about us is surrendered to Jesus as king, right? You should be the best worker at your job, not because of your boss, but because of your king. You follow me? So when the Jews are saying this guy says he's the king of us, Pilate hears that and thinks, oh, he thinks he's got some status then. Pilate hears that as, this guy's a little bit of a threat. This guy might be in rebellion against the Roman Empire. Everybody knows how huge and strong and dominant the Roman Empire was, right? Y'all all hear that phrase that says, Rome wasn't built in a day, right? You hear people talk about the Roman Empire, and this is the governor of Rome. This is Pilate, and he hears that there's somebody throwing around that he's a king. You're not allowed to be a king around Rome. That's a threat to them. Nobody gets on their level. And so now, not for spiritual reasons at all, Pilate doesn't care. He doesn't care at all what these Jews are thinking about this man who might be a a rebel in their spiritual causes. But this title of king bothers him. So of all the things he could have said was, hey, did you work on a Sabbath, or did you do this, or did you blaspheme God's holy name? You know, all of those types of things. The thing that he speaks up about is, Are you a king? Now you see why Jesus didn't answer so much the way everybody was wanting him to answer, right? Because all Pilate's thinking about is an earthly, worldly title of king. And let me remind you here today, the king of kings never has to stoop to be the king of an earthly kingdom. If you've never thought about that, then let's remember it today. Jesus doesn't need to stoop down and ever assert himself as king over an earthly kingdom. Jesus is so secure in his divine, glorious, godly identity that he never had to prove himself. Remember, I made that point two weeks ago. Jesus didn't need, remember I talked about him fighting and and, and Peter pulled out the sword. You remember that in the garden a couple weeks ago? And Jesus could have fought them right then and showed the whole army that nobody messes with him. No need to. He's not gonna be defeated. He's not gonna be outdone. He's never hurried, he's never upset, he's never nervous. Jesus never struggled with anxiety. People didn't make him uncomfortable. He's Jesus. He's the king of all. Pilate's wondering, is he a king? And so he asks, are you the king of the Jews? It's a very similar way of the question that was asked back in 1461. Are you the Christ? Are you the son of the blessed? It's worded very similarly. Are you this? They're worrying about his identity. And so Pilate takes this very serious. Now, in a parallel passage, again, you don't have to turn there, but listen to how Luke tells it. This is Luke 23. Then the whole company of them arose and brought him before Pilate. This is Luke 23. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar and saying that he himself is Christ a king. See, you may have been wondering, Well, how did Pilate know that he was a king? Well, that was one of their accusations. And that was the very accusation that would set Pilate off. The spiritual ones, he wasn't so concerned about. But this title of king bothered Pilate. And so his question is, are you the king? Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus then answers back, you have said so. Now, this may seem a little bit like he affirms it. It is a very, very slight, mild affirming, but it's not so much. Because Jesus is understanding, they're not understanding what he means by king. Jesus absolutely is a king, but not necessarily in the way that they are fearful of. And so Jesus just says, that's what you said, that's what you think, that's what you mean, that's what you've called me, that's what they say. Jesus is not saying much. Now there's a whole big... There's a a lot to consider when why was Jesus so humble and lowly here? Why didn't he say much? Why was he so quiet? But I want to remind you, which you all know, in the big picture here, Jesus got an appointment, doesn't he? Jesus is headed to that cross. He's not going to say anything that's going to get in the way of the cross. He's not going to say anything that's going to delay the cross. So part of it is he's secure in his identity. He doesn't need to argue with them. Part of it is they don't get it. They don't understand. And so he's not going to deal with that. Part of it is he's there to die on the cross for our sins. This is what's happening. Now along those lines, I want to remind you what Isaiah prophesied about Jesus. Just listen to this verse in Isaiah 53. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Isaiah prophesied that many, many years before that Jesus would be like a lamb going to die. And two times in Isaiah 53, 7, he says, he did not open his mouth. So Jesus, in the fulfilling of the prophecy of God, predicted long ago, Jesus is now on his way, and Jesus is not talking, he is near death. But the question then is, are you the king of the Jews? And I know it's Christmas, and There's so many, so many things about this holiday that are so biblical and scriptural and everywhere you turn, you've got these kingly things. You know, people recognize the wise men or the magi. You might hear them called and people talk about the gifts that they bring. Well, every time you see that anywhere, right? Anytime you hear the idea of Christmas and bearing gifts and we come bearing gifts and those those things or that song, We Three Kings, right? All of those things are because The king was born. You understand that, right? Everything that we have in this holiday, so much of it, is because the king came to us. I don't know if you know this, but this very word advent, right? The word means coming. It means that our God came to us. It means that the king that we so desperately need came to us. If you know much about the Old Testament, you have this theme throughout the whole Old Testament of the people of God don't do well because they never really have a leader. And every time they ask for a good leader, God sends a leader. Sometimes that's a king. And even when they have a king, it just doesn't seem to work out right. And the point of all of that in the Old Testament is that you need God to be your king. One of the great summaries you could make of the whole Old Testament is that you need God to be your king. You need to be bowed down to God, and God needs to be your king. Well, guess what is the fulfilling of the whole Old Testament? That the king has come. Now, I want to remind you on that theme that this is how Mark began. I know that was a long time ago when we started Mark. But you remember that John the Baptist came before Jesus, Well, listen to this. Now, after John was arrested, okay, so he came pointing everybody to Jesus, Jesus came into Galilee, and here's what Jesus was proclaiming. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. This is Mark chapter one. Jesus being here on earth, on the scene, means that God and his king, God and his kingdom are now here. The kingdom is at hand. You know why the kingdom is at hand, Mark chapter 1, verse 15? Because the king is. And so this idea of Jesus being the king of everything is here. It's very real in the Gospels. It's very real in the New Testament. It's very real in Mark chapter 15 as they are asking, are you the king of the Jews? Well, he is the king, but maybe not in the way that they are wondering. So Jesus says, you've said so. Verse 3 is an interesting verse, if you look back to Mark 15, verse 3. And the chief priests accused him of many things. So cheap, right? So weak, so shallow. They're so against him, but they're not going to do anything about it. they just beat him and spit in his face, but they won't kill him. If they really wanted to kill him, why don't they kill him? But they won't. And so now they've pushed him off to Pilate and they want Pilate to and Pilate doesn't want to. Pilate doesn't see any reason to kill Jesus. And so they're just standing over here just saying all these bad things about him, right? Isn't that how people are? Once you get down on somebody, you, you'll turn everything about them down on them, right? I'm mean, gonna look at them, they're late. I they can't, can't ever do anything right. Look at them, they're just trying to promote themselves. They're lying, right? They're just so self-centered. I mean, everything they do is so self-centered. It's just all about them, Right? And this is how we are, how I am. I think it's how y'all are. Once, once you get down on somebody, every single thing they do is terrible, right? Once you get a good opinion of everybody, you'll be gracious as can be. Oh, just late, man. You got five kids, you know, whatever. Just run around. I know we try to do a lot, right? If you like somebody, you'll take all the negatives and spin them good. If you don't like somebody, you'll take everything in the world and just ride them down and ride them down and ride them down. And you'll be giving somebody such a hard way to go, right? We've got such a bias on people. this is what's happening here. It's just a little verse, but they're just piling it on. The chief priest accused him of many things, right? See, he's always like that. You see what I'm saying, Pilate? He ain't even talking. How disrespectful is that, Pilate? I mean, you're the Roman governor. He's not even gonna talk to you. You're asking him questions. He's not even speaking up. And just kill him. Just do away with him already. See, he thinks he's so arrogant. He says he's the king. What type of king says he's the king but then doesn't answer to being the king? Right, they're just saying all these things, how people are. I was out in the community just this week and talking to a couple that I had never talked to before, first time I've ever seen them. And somebody's name came up, somebody that I'm friends with. And they said, Oh, gosh, he's a, he's a butt. First time I'd ever talked to him. Guys, if you talk to somebody for the first time you've ever met them, don't be that crude and rude. Carry yourself better than that. I said, No, he's not. First time I'd ever met him. I said, No, he's not. I think he's great. What, what? I said, why, why do you think that? They said, well, <laughs> I've, never, I've, never, I've never talked to him. Ain't that how we are, guys? That's how we are. I said, I mean, maybe, maybe maybe used to be or maybe something like that. So I, don't, I don't know, but he's great to me. I see him in a lot of different settings and great to me. I see him being great. I don't, I don't see anything. You know what They said, well maybe you're right. I mean, we ain't talked to him in a while. You know, this is how fake, shallow, people don't really know who they are. It's how they are. They hear somebody talking bad about somebody and they go, yeah, I mean, he just is. You just pile it on. What is that? Y'all, you know, we got a better standard than that. The Bible tells us very clearly to let no Unwholesome word come out of your mouth. None. But only such words that will edify a situation. That's how our God, our King, tells us to speak. If you've got something to say about somebody, say it in a way that it will make the situation better. That's what edify means. Edify means build up, it means make stronger, it means improve upon. We're talking about them wanting to kill Jesus. And they won't do it themselves, so they've passed him off to the Roman governor. And he's now there, way more authority than them, questioning him, right? And it says in verse three this little cheap, weak verse of the chief priests they accused him of many things. Well, they've been doing that, and Pilate didn't care. He didn't care about their little spiritual botherings, right? They didn't care that Jesus had gotten on their nerves. He didn't care that he had flipped over their tables. He didn't care that he was working on the Sabbath. He didn't care. What he cared about was himself. What he cared about was his identity. What he cared about was his status and his power. He is the Roman governor. And I see here that they're just throwing it in. It just seems so cheap to me. And I want to remind you that, folks. Don't be that. When you're at lunch break, or coffee break, or break time at work, and everybody's just circled up, just kind of talking, and it's just kind of the normal thing for everybody to start slandering people. Don't do it. Don't do it. We're a different breed. We're the people of God. We are bowed down to King Jesus. Walk away from it. Change the conversation. Keep your mouth shut, but don't contribute to it. It's unbelievable how much a ripple effect of people talking down about people will spread, especially in a small town, especially where everybody knows everybody, especially in so many families where everybody knows each other or is related. Christians are not to be that way. In verse 3, I see that. Verse 4, Pilate speaks up and says again, do you not have an answer to make? See how many charges they're bringing against you? Pilate doesn't understand why he's not answering. Like you would imagine, authority, listen, is used to people really pushing back. Authority is used to people fighting back or running away or asserting themselves. No, man, you got the wrong person. No, 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 no. Like something like that. Jesus isn't doing that. So Pilate's like, this is odd. They're trying to kill this man saying he's wrong, and he's not saying anything about it. He just doesn't understand. He doesn't know the Old Testament prophecy. He doesn't know that the Savior's gonna die. He doesn't know Isaiah 53, that he's gonna keep his mouth shut. He just doesn't know it. But John chapter 18 gives us a glimpse of what's really happening. Listen to this. So Pilate entered into his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him are you the king of the Jews so same question Jesus answered do you say this of your own accord or did others say it to you about me man try that response next time somebody's slandering you know slanders everywhere I hear I hear so much slander so much filthy talk I'm a preacher they try to tamper it back and then they, they then they just let it go Next time somebody's talking bad about somebody to you, say, did you figure out that opinion yourself? Or did you just get it from somebody else? You man enough to have a big boy opinion, talk bad about people? You so upright that you don't have any flaws, you're gonna talk bad about people? Or did you just get that from somebody else? I'm telling y'all, y'all, Jesus is the man. He is the conquering warrior, but his warrior status is so different from everybody else's. He's got the Roman governor there. Jesus is in chains. Jesus has been spit in his face. His beard has been plucked out. Jesus is being terrorized by these people. And the guy in, with all the authority for the, 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 the Roman Empire keeps saying to him, are you the king?" And Jesus says, You think that yourself? Or did somebody tell you that about me? This guy's awesome. And we ought to bow down to him. But it keeps going. Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? In other words, I don't care. Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? In other words, let's get this over with. I don't want to waste my time on all these religious issues. What's going on here? Now listen to this. John eighteen thirty six. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, listen y'all, my servants would have been fighting or talking and gossiping like everybody else that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. We would have tried to prevent it But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Again, Pilate doesn't care about all this religious truth stuff. He doesn't care. So he's like, okay, so you're a king? Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born. Oh, that's good. And for this purpose I've come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth Listens to my voice, Pilate asks him back, What is truth? Again, I don't care about this little religious dialogue that you're giving me. I don't even care what truth is. Are you a king? And if so, we're going to kill you. And you know how the story goes. Jesus affirms that he's king, they go kill him. But what kind of a king is he? In what way is he a king? I want to close with asking all of you to look to Philippians chapter 2 Philippians chapter 2 if you can find it what kind of a king is he see that's the question that's the issue that's the problem Now, you know that to the Jews, there are multiple problems. They're looking for a Savior. They're looking for a Messiah. They're looking for that. Jesus has come saying that he's him. John the Baptist has come saying that he's he. You know that. But remember, the Jews can't kill him. So the Jews want him dead for all of these spiritual reasons. This is not the the Old Testament king that we're looking for. But the Jews can't kill him. So now they've brought Pilate into it. Pilate can kill him. Pilate doesn't have any problem with killing people. he wants a reason for it. He doesn't see one. And I think you know, he is gonna end up killing him, but you know why? Just pressure. He's annoyed, pressure, let's just get it over with. And Pilate just says, let's kill him just because I'm tired of dealing with it. They want me to kill him, I'm tired of it. He even tries to let him go, and that's the story with Barabbas, which you'll see here coming up. But the issue is, are you a king? Isn't that fascinating? See, that's why I think this absolutely works for Christmas. That's why I think this absolutely works for Christmas, because the issue of him dying is based off, is he a king or is he not? And folks, that's the question for us here today, this December. Is he the king or is he not? Does your conscience convict you that God is supposed to be honored with our lives? Does the Holy Spirit live inside of you? And when you are wrong, you're convicted that God is supposed to be honored? See, there are a lot of different ways to talk about this this, this spiritual life that we have as being Christians. But one of the realest ones, and really one of the most simple ones, kids can understand it, Jesus is king. We bow down to King Jesus. Every move we make, every word we say, every person we treat or interact with, every thought we think, every money, dollar we spend, everything about us is to be bowed down. To our King. Christmas reminds us that. Pilate's trying to figure it out. In the book of Philippians, Paul writes the clearest picture of what all this means in light of Christ as Savior. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, look at this, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Bible teaches us this in many other passages. But you know what Paul is saying here? It is a truth. It is reality that someday, and I don't know when it is. It it may be in my lifetime. It may be in Fairdale's lifetime. It may be way beyond all of us. But there is coming a day, folks, where every knee there's ever been will end up in this position. To Jesus. Every knee there's ever been, whether they love him or whether they think he's the biggest joke, you know what? That pilot right there trying to exercise his authority over Jesus is going to be like this one day before the man that he puts to death. Every knee will be in that position and their mouths will say, you are Lord. You are worthy. You are deserving. I surrender. You are right. I am wrong. Every single knee, and I don't know how many people there are in here, times that, times two, that's how many knees there are. The oldest people in the room who can't even kneel down, their knees are going to be bent. The youngest people in the room, like these babies, their knees are going to be bent. Every single knee will bow, not to a dictator ruler, but to a loving Savior. That is the king that will bow to, but is about to bow his whole soul and body for your sins. Now that's a king. No worldly king like they were thinking. But a heavenly king. The king of heaven. The king of kings. The king of all creation. Don't wait till then. Don't wait too long and miss it. Don't even wait till 2018. Don't even wait till Christmas. Make Christmas 2017 the best Christmas you've ever had because Christ is your king. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. And thank you, God, that we're able to look at Pilate's pride and error and questioning Jesus and saying, are you the king? Father, thank you that this morning we have been reminded that Jesus is the king and that we will bow down to him. Oh, Father, move that in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.